Good morning, everyone. You are listening to the Wicked 102.5 Podcast Division. My name is Alejandro, with my good buddy Alejandro. <laughs> and Hello. you guys are listening to the Space Flight Podcast, the pilot episode here on the 25th of January, 2022. At around 10 a.m. Yeah, around 10 a.m. We have a lot of fun news for you guys coming up. With that, let's just get right into it. And the first thing we have is James the Webb. James Webb rollout. Yeah, James N- Webb launch. Is, sorry. Yeah, it's uh, yesterday as we we're recording this. It finally did its final insertion burn at the L2 Lagrange point, which means that it's finally at its final destination. And yeah, so that means we all we're waiting on now for the James Webb Space Telescope is for its instruments to cool down to the point where they will accurately read, and so that way we can get these awesome pictures that Hubble just could not get. After we calibrate. Yeah, once the sensors are all at temperature and calibrated, we will be ready to go. And with that, it launched atop a Ariane 5 rocket. I think that was one of Ariane 5's final launch, one of the final launches that will be on Ariane 5. I think there's one or two more planned. No, they have a lot. Really? I believe. I'm looking it up. Because they're, right now, Ariane Space, the developers of the Ariane rockets are in heavy development for the Ariane 6 rocket, which is supposed to go off, uh, to lift off in late 2022. Hopefully, we get to see that. We won't be able to see it here from Embry-Riddle because it's a little bit far to space. Yeah, French Guiana is far. French Guiana is a little bit far, but other than that, it... I'm looking forward to Ariane 6. It's supposed to be a heavier launch vehicle, meaning it can take uh, higher loads to orbit. Yes. And also supposed to be more efficient and keep the launch cost down, which is a pretty big theme amongst... Yeah. Uh, Since SpaceX became a thing. Yeah. They've kind of really brought down prices for launching satellites, which is really good. Yeah, and especially when it comes to heavy lifters, because we have Falcon Heavy, which can land all three of its first stage boosters. And which no other rocket can do, yeah, by the way. But its main drawback is its fairing size is kind of small. So you can, you have all this power, but you can't fit things that are too large inside its fairing. Exactly, which is why, as good as the SpaceX launcher is, for a slightly smaller payloads, and they can get them up there extremely cheap, and Falcon Heavy can get things to Mars if I did the Delta V calculation correctly, and all the data is right. Assuming you have the right load. The Ariane 6 is supposed to be a heavy launcher with the bigger payload fairing, which is why they actually went with the Ariane series for James Webb instead of any Falcon Heavy or Delta, purely on that fairing size alone, because James Webb was a huge telescope. Yeah, plus Europe paid for it. Yeah, also, it, it was a partnership between ESA, CSA, and NASA, and European Space Agency did a lot of the headlining for it. So it was only natural that they would choose one of their own launchers made by Safran Group and Ariane Space. Shout out to the Safran Group. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the first Ariane launch, which is right now uh, supposed to happen late this year. Yeah, and I'm personally I'm looking forward to it. I, I've always wanted to see an Ariane launch, so I might, if the prices to go to French Guiana aren't too bad, are I might. Bad. They are bad. You have to connect through Paris. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> well, it looks like I'll be watching it from the live stream, yeah. as I always do. But with that, 
the biggest news besides James Webb is admittedly SLS. SLS. And they the have just, program. They have just completed stacking it in the vehicle assembly building as of not long ago. They're yes. doing some final checks for the space launch system. This is the block one, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, block one. And this is going to be the first flight test of it, meaning there's no uh, crew on board. It's, it's going to go around the moon, and the Orion capsule is going to splash down on Earth. Yep, and we're going to... This is just going to be almost like an Apollo 4, if we go back to looking... If we're comparing it to the old missions that this program's supposed to be the antecessor for. Yeah. Or uh, antecessor... You know what I mean. Yeah. Just yesterday... Uh, NASA tweeted that they've completed the test countdown and commanding sequence simulated countdown, which is the fifth step of the ten steps they need to do before they do the rollout. Yeah, so... And right now that is slated to happen on February 15th. Which but is... with SLS, we'll see if that holds. Yeah, unfortunately SLS has been the victim to many delays, which... I'm... Which is very unfortunate because I'm looking forward to NASA's next uh, moon rocket. Cause it's going to be a great rocket. It's going to be amazing. It's using four RS-25 engines that have been upgraded from the shuttle area era. And then two massive solid rocket boosters. Which have also been upgraded from the shuttle time. Yeah, they have one. They're bigger and more powerful. It's going to be it's gonna make an incredible sound. Yeah, especially if you're here on campus, you're going to hear that sound. Without a doubt. I don't... Are you? Well, you can hear Falcon 9. Not if, from campus. Yeah, you can. If it's if it's quiet enough in the area that you are, you can hear it. I didn't know that. Yeah, nor did I until uh, a buddy of mine from the Avion told me, and I was like, whoa. And so... Now and I want to figure out where... Supposedly, back when the shuttle launched, you could easily hear it from campus. We'll see if that if that's true for, for uh, SLS. Yeah, but... We'll, We'll be at the Kennedy Space Center when it launches, so... Hopefully. Yeah. But, and uh... Speaking of other big rockets, this year there's supposed to be three big Falcon Heavy launches. Oh, yes, Falcon Heavy. We can't... We were talking about it earlier, and we can't forget about its future, which I'm looking forward to Falcon Heavy launching. Yeah. It's gonna... You're gonna have two RLTZs, which means four sonic booms. Yeah. That's something that... Oh, I can't wait. If you've ever, if you've never been to a uh, rocket launch, the sonic booms are probably the best thing. You can't normally hear them when it's not RLTZ because the sonic booms come from the rockets coming back to a uh, landing zone. And whenever they do RLTZ, it's the most amazing thing to hear the double sonic boom. It's so fun. And when you have Falcon Heavy, you're doubling it, so you have four sonic booms. Yeah. Right now, SpaceX has. Uh, four, five, five, six launches, six Falcon Heavy launches scheduled for this year. I don't think they're going to launch all of them this year, but I would expect at least two or three of these to definitely launch this year, which will be insane. Yeah, but remember, this is SpaceX. They always have a small trick up their sleeve, so there's a good chance that we'll see more than that. True. And they just haven't said anything about it yet. True. I'm excited, though. It's uh, the first one is supposed to happen this quarter. And is a Space Force launch that is... Actually, for that one, we won't hear the sonic booms. It's the side boosters are, la are doing a simultaneous landing on the drone ships. Really? And the center core is being expended. 
Wow, that's actually that's something I wouldn't expect from SpaceX, especially given the fact that their whole motto is being able to reuse those boosters every time. Yeah, well, they've tried three times and the center booster hasn't been recovered, so why not? Well, it, they they tried multiple times with the Falcon 9 to get it to land. It took a lot of tries, but they got it. And so I wouldn't be very surprised if we could... If, Next time they try, they probably will. Yeah, especially if you do two RLT, RLTZ and then one a normal drone ship landing as if it was off a of Falcon 9. But... Speaking of SpaceX and launches, April 15th, Crew 4. Crew 4. There, have you seen the patch for it? I have. It looks very cool. I like, I think probably Crew 4 is one of my favorite patch designs for SpaceX crew mission. Inspiration 4 was good. Inspiration 4 I love and will always have a special place in my heart. Yeah, but I think this one, I don't know, it just like, it gives off those early ISS vibes back when it was the space shuttle going. Also, you had this, it was mainly the Soyuz and the space shuttle and the crews would make the patches for it, right? Yeah. And it just gives off those vibes, because if you look back through old, uh, what's it called? Old patches from missions that have gone to the ISS, they all have that kind of like, I don't know, you you almost have like the view of Earth, uh, the horizon of the Earth with either the ISS or the launch capsule that they're, they're going to be on. Yeah, but I still prefer, I actually prefer the Crew 3 patch. Crew three, crew three did have a good patch. I will admit, uh, it's a very fun patch. I love how that dragon is hidden in the patch. It's great. Yeah, what the cool part about any patch that is, uh, the astronauts get to have fun with what they're designing, especially because most of the time it's actually the astronauts that design it by tradition. Yes, and that's my favorite part about it because it just shows it can show the the creativity that the astronauts have. Yeah. When, when it comes to anything, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, and I think you can also really see that with the current Expedition patch, Expedition 66, because the patch is in the shape of the U.S. highway signs, because making reference to Route 66. Uh, oh, wait, really? Yeah. I don't know if you've seen it. It what? is very cool. Here, Ajax, look at my laptop. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow, that's, actually, that's a very creative... That's something I would not actually have expected, given the fact that in, in the International Space Station, obviously, we have Russians and Americans. I, I wouldn't normally expect the Russians to be on board or something like that. No disrespect, but... I mean, they probably thought it was a fun joke. Probably, mm -hmm. but, like, it's still amazing because you have the highway with the ISS heading towards 66 because yeah. Route 66 is a legendary route. And also, it was actually, historically speaking, Route 66 had a huge part in actually in the NASA and the space program in the early days because Route 66 actually connected a few of the space centers if I remember yeah. correctly it's and especially it went through St. Louis which at the time was where they manufactured the mercury capsules uh, where uh, I think McDonnell Douglas if I'm not mistaken I don't know I don't remember off the top of my head but they did manufacture some stuff for the early space program in St. Louis and I think Route 66 was part of the way they got it down to Florida. Yeah, but out of all of the modern ISS mission pa expedition patches, I think that's my favorite one. Yeah, I would say that one has yeah that a one lot probably, of character. Oh yeah, a lot of character. Which actually, speaking of patches and mission patches, is there an Artemis One patch yet? Uh, I don't believe that they have released an Artemis One patch. Let's take a quick look, see, and let's, let's there's. Google. Currently, there's no actually. Well, actually, they do. 
Eh, it's an identifier. Yeah, it's an identifier. It's the SLS launching with the moon in the background. They need to put like Artemis one on it for me to consider. It. They actually they originally had Artemis one on it, but then they eliminated it because they thought it would look cleaner with uh without the Artemis one. That's fair. I would say personally, I prefer without the Artemis one. I think it's a patch shouldn't always have to have the mission on it. It should just be recognizable. Yeah, it should definitely be recognizable. Like obviously in the Apollo days, it was a different story because they could creatively implement the the name of the mission they had. Yeah. Like this one, you kind of can't, unless it's going under, it's not really going to look good with it. Yeah, you're not, you can't really, unless you know what it is, you don't know what it is. Exactly. And with that, we have another thing that I'm excited for 2022 that SpaceX is doing. Which We're, is? RLTZ landings. Oh, yeah. Our, RL, return to launch site landings are the funnest. Oh, yeah. They're amazing, especially because they're just something that SpaceX hasn't done in a while. And I personally, I'm all for it. Yeah, we both saw the one for Transporter 3 in yeah. person, and that was both of our first return launch site landings, and it was incredible. Oh, yeah, it was an amazing thing to watch, especially because when, when you have a return to launch or a landing zone, sorry, it, you see it come down. It's all quiet. Two sonic booms. And then you hear the engine. And then boom. It's like, it all happens in a few seconds. Yeah, and with Transporter 3 being a polar launch, the separation and the boost back burn happened basically right on top of us. Yeah, exactly. So it was incredible to see. Yeah, it, it, the only problem is when we watched the launch is that the sun was right there, and so we didn't want to burn our retinas off. Also, just it kind of disappeared into the sky. Yeah, well, it disappeared into the sun's area, and you don't really want to look straight at the sun. Yeah, which is why I... I'm hoping I'll be able to see the one that's happening this week. Yeah, this Thursday you have another RLTZ launch. I won't be able to go to it because... Uh, Cosmos SkyMed 2. Cosmos SkyMed 2, really? Yes, that's the satellite. Mission Exciting. for the Italian Space Agency. Wow, even Italy's saying, nah, forget the European uh, launchers. We're going to SpaceX. We want cheap stuff. Yeah. We want the good cheap stuff. That's what SpaceX... That's what space needs. Good, cheap launchers like what SpaceX is doing. And hopefully another, another cheap launcher will start launching out of Florida soon. They have their first Florida launch pending January, hopefully. And that's Astra. Astra? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes, they're launching from Kennedy. They did a static fire a few days ago, which was successful, and now they're waiting for FA certification so that they can give them a date to launch. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see that happening. I haven't heard much about Astra before, I would say, the past like week or so. They've launched a few times out of Alaska. Uh, most have been suborbital, both intentionally and unintentionally. But their last launch attempt was their first successful suborbital attempt. For, first successful, sorry, orbital attempt. Yeah, and it looks like... So based off the pictures I'm seeing here on uh, the computer screen... It looks like, it gives us redstone. It is very small. It's a very small, it looks like the Mercury redstone rockets I believe from their, back in the day. I believe their main design constraint is that the rocket and the launch system have to fit in two shipping containers. Yeah, so that would probably do it on the size of the rocket launcher, but they've made it to orbit, which is very impressive, which yeah. is something that, no disrespect, but Blue Origin hasn't even done yet. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how New Glenn does. 
New Glenn, actually, we were lucky enough to watch the boilerplate for New Glenn. Yes. Go the, to the pad for uh, fit testing. Yes, the the fit tester for the New Glenn first stage. We were at Kennedy Space Center, and we got stuck at the Saturn V Center for, a, for like half an hour to an hour as they were rolling that out. And when we took the bus back, we saw it as it was going, turning to go down to its launch pad in front of the VAB. Yeah, it was. It was very impressive to look at because it's huge. It's huge. And not only that, like for context, uh, my friend Alejandro here, he's an aerospace engineering student and I'm a mechanical engineering student. And so we both I'm in between motorsports and space, but I'm very looking at the space area. My buddy Alejandro here, he's looking very, very much to space. Yeah, very much space. We're both huge space nerds. And so we saw that. And from the engineering perspective, that it's just impressive because they have a full boilerplate, a full mock-up of what the first stage of New Glenn is going to look like. And they're taking it to the pad. They're doing every... They're making sure the pad is the right dimensions so they can put New Glenn on and launch it up, hopefully without a hitch. This is space, so knowing history of most space companies when their first attempt to go to orbit, it doesn't go... Particularly well. Yeah, it doesn't go particularly well. You don't usually don't expect the first launch to go flawlessly. Yeah, exactly. Most... Like, for example... You, there will be a problem you did not anticipate. Oh, yeah, 100%. And especially when it comes to new rockets, like, looking back to even Saturn V, the most successful rocket in history, the first launch... the most successful. Well, like, the most successful rocket in history as far as never blowing up, never having any of that, on the first launch they had of it, they the biggest problem they experienced was Pogo, which I'm pretty sure you know what Pogo is. Yes. For those who don't know what POGO is, POGO is when there's a variability in thrust in the engines due to fuel flow, and that causes the rocket to pretty much kind of, the G's in the rocket to go forward and backward, almost in a POGO-like motion. And that can be very dangerous for not only systems on the rocket, but also for the astronauts. Luckily, they were able to solve that issue just in time for the first crewed launch of Saturn V. And hopefully, uh, when we get SLS launching, we don't have anything like that, because... No engineer wants to hear Pogo. No. But, yeah, hopefully... Like, we've also seen that with um, Virgin Orbit, with their launch system. That's right. Their first two launches weren't... Didn't go as planned, they didn't reach orbit, but with their third one, they finally figured out the kinks and reached orbit. And now they're full, they've launched three times to orbit, I believe. Yeah, and I have to give... Uh, a lot of credit to Virgin Galactic because they're one of the companies that most people don't think of when you think of orbital flight. You think of them as just like, we'll take passengers to suborbital and then land them, right? Yeah, but they have... Virgin, uh, Richard Branson has a second space company called Virgin Orbit, which launches air, does air launches off the off a seven, an old Virgin Atlantic 747. Yeah. And they've done... Actually, no, I was wrong. Their first launch was a failure, but their following three have all been successes. Yeah, so moral of the story is if you're building a rocket, don't expect it to work on the first try. Yeah. I don't think I know of any rocket other than maybe the Atlas V. Atlas V? Well, Atlas V has a very long history, and even if you think about it, the first Atlases, if you're like looking back all through the history of the Atlas rockets or the Atlas series... They all have had their slight kinks, especially if you go back to the very early NASA days. But 
now the Atlas V is a very efficient, very sought-after rocket. Yeah, but that, the Atlas V, even in its very first launch, is completely fine, and it's just been a very reliable rocket, and it's very sad to see it being retired soon. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm kind of sad it's retiring, especially because I've never seen an in-person launch. Of it. Have you not? No. Um, well, USSF 8 happened a few days ago, but I was at like through 2 p.m. here. I, yeah, I was in class when that happened. Oh, yeah. sad. And I didn't want to skip class. Yeah, it was a pretty launch, but you you saw it. I saw it from here on campus. You saw it for a few seconds, and then it hid behind the clouds yeah. because there's a low cloud layer that day. That's the only problem from watching any uh, rocket launch from school is that you can't. If there's clouds, you're not gonna see much. But if there's, if it's a perfectly clear sky, there's a lot you will see. Especially at night. Yeah, especially at night, and when there's a uh, stage separation, it's a very beautiful sight at night. Yeah, especially when it's heading to the northeast. Uh, it basically flies right above campus, and I remember for a Starlink launch, it. Uh, stage separation basically happened right above campus. Yeah, and well, with that, we are just about out of time. Do we have any final comments, Tokayo? Uh, not really. All right, well, with that, I hope you guys have a great rest of your day or night whenever you are listening to this podcast. We will see you guys on the next episode of the Space Flight Podcast on the Wicked 102.5. This is both Alejandros, and hopefully next time, Yuri, Yuri will join us. See you guys next time.